and thank you for joining us for an episode of That Solo Life, the podcast for PR pros and marketers who work for themselves. I am Michelle Kane, and I am here as ever with my wonderful co-host, Karen Swim, the head leader of the pack here at Solo PR Pro. And we are so excited to have another fantastic guest. We are so lucky to have all these great guests lately. We are joined today by Kelly Davis, Kelly Davis, MMC, APR, and PRSA Fellow. She is a public relations instructor and the head of the public relations sequence in the University of South Carolina School of Journalism and Mass Communications. She has been recognized both for her work and her contributions to the PR profession with more than 60 professional awards. She has held numerous leadership roles in PRSA, including service as director on the PRSA National Board of Directors. So not only does she know her stuff, but she's held in high esteem. In fact, she was recognized in 2007 by the South Carolina PRSA chapter with the highest individual honor, the W. Thomas Duke Distinguished Public Relations Practitioner of the Year. She holds a Bachelor of Arts degree from Furman University and a Master of Mass Communications degree from the University of South Carolina, where she lives in Columbia with her husband and daughter. Thank you for joining us today, Kelly. We're so glad. Thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation. This is such a treat. I've been listening to your podcast since the very beginning, and I congratulate you on recently getting surpassing a hundred episodes. That's incredibly impressive. So I'm just really honored to to be among among the uh, among the guests here. Oh, that's wonderful. For our listeners who might be listening to the audio, it was so sweet to watch Kelly's face as Michelle was reading her bio because she's so humble. And she's so young. And so when you, if you were to read all that, you would go, my God, you know, is this woman like 95 years old? She's not, she's young, she's vibrant. And, you know, her face was like, kind of like, Wow, you know, so I could see you taking that in too. It's like, is that all me? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And guess what? Guess what, everyone? I didn't even read everything that there was. No, I, I told you to no. edit it down, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, which no, I mean, not, not to belittle it. It's it's amazing. It, it's kind of funny. It reminds me of the last time I updated my resume. I had, a, you know, I I sourced it out because I thought, Ugh, who wants to talk about themselves? And when I read it back, I thought, I did. Oh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's kind of nice to hear it back, but yeah, also our accomplishments. That's right, right, as you should be. Oh gosh, we are so glad to have you here today, and we know that you did start out as one of us as a solo. I was just curious, what led you to make that initial jump? Well, I had about 10 years of experience um, in public relations working in in-house settings before I decided to make the leap to uh, be an independent practitioner. Um, so I had worked in corporate, nonprofit, and state government settings. And I really, I was just kind of looking at the, looking at friends around me, looking at the industry, seeing a lot and seeing a lot of people starting their own businesses. Now, a lot of my friends started them because they were starting families at the same time. Um, We had not started our family yet, but being the planner that I am, I thought, well, let me, let's, you know, if this is something we're going to want to do and I'm going to want some flexibility with that, maybe I try that now while it's still, you know, just, it was just my husband and me at the time. And so I really, um, my first client was the company that 
that I left. You know, I, I kind of laid the groundwork, had a great mentor there. And in fact, when he hired me, he said, I know you're not going to be here forever. And whenever you decide you're going to move on from here, come to me and talk to me and let me help you make that transition to wherever it's going to be. So we had had this, this wow. agreement, you know, really from the day he hired Amazing. me, he's been a good friend and mentor for many years. And so I went to him and I said, I really feel like I want to give this a shot. I feel like this is the right timing. I've got a good you know, decade of experience under my belt in different organizations. And um, so they, you know, they were my first client. I continued to do some work for them and then slowly grew, you know, grew the business from there. Um, so I think like a lot of independents, I just, I really wanted, um, you know, wanted some flexibility um, and I wanted to be able to call the shots in my own life. You know, I wanted to be able to work with the clients, the kind of clients I wanted to work with and, uh, you know, just to, to do the kind of public relations that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was really my, my original motivation. And I spent the next 13 years, um, mostly working for myself. I spent a little bit of time working in another agency here in town, but most of those next 13 years uh, as an independent practitioner. My gosh. So how do you, you know, what, what first gave you that bug of wanting to teach? I mean, as communicators, we do a fair amount of educating, but Mm -hmm. to formalize that, like what, what, what brought you into teaching? You know, I I really think that I had a little seed of teaching planted from very early on in my in my life. My mom was a teacher before I was born. Um, she left teaching to stay home and, and raise my brother and me. But there, I always had that around me just a little bit. Um, in high school and in college, I had I held leadership positions in the band, and so I had an opportunity to kind of teach uh, my peers. You know, whether it's training, you know, different um, routines and, and things like that. Um, throughout college, I also, um, I worked in a leadership, I worked on the staff of a leadership training camp that kind of went around and worked with different performing arts groups. So these, these little seeds were planted very early on. And in fact, when I was in college, I originally thought I might go on through and get a PhD in French, uh, which is why I've double majored in English and French. And my, my original path was sending me in that direction, um, had been accepted into some graduate programs to move on and study French. But, um, you know, my, my, my parents said, we're very proud of you, but if you're going to go to graduate school, you're going to have to pay for it yourself. <laughs> so I went to work and I you know, found a job in public relations and I had a great mentor who's still been my mentor for almost 30 years now. And oh. that that led me into my public relations career. And so it's really it was really interesting when four years ago, um, this this full time position came open. It just it, it felt like this little seed had all had always been growing just a little bit in there. Um, but I originally started teaching as an adjunct about I think it was nine years ago, um, I was approached by, you know, by the School of Journalism, where I do hold my degree, <laughs> and um, they were looking for for public relations adjuncts. And mm-hmm. I thought, and specifically to teach public relations campaigns, mm-hmm. I thought, well, this is what I do all the day long. Surely I can share this knowledge, you know, with students. Yeah. And so I started as started out as an adjunct and um, taught several semesters here and there, you know, just as they needed somebody. Um, and then when, you know, full-time position eventually came open, it was just, the timing was just right. It was, it was the right, you know, combination of, of time and opportunity and interest and the, the position being the right kind of position for me. Um, and so decided, you know, why not? I can, I'll, I'll try this. You know, I, I think my whole career has been about, I don't have to do this forever. I'll try it out. And if I like it, you know, I'll yeah. keep doing it. And so that was, um, that was what eventually kind of brought me into a full-time position. And I really have to credit 
as well, the Public Relations Student Society of America, PRSSA, <laughs> because I had been working with students nationally, um, first as the National Board Liaison, and then as the National Professional Advisor to PRSSA, kind of right in the midst of doing adjunct work and running my agency. Um, I had started working with students, and it was just, they just were so inspiring and so um, energetic and and they were so in love with public relations and wanting oh. to, you know, so excited about the profession. And I just, I found that enthusiasm um, to just give me a lot of energy. And I just, I so enjoyed working with them. In fact, I remember one day I was sitting with a colleague of mine and just talking a little bit about some of the work I was doing with PRSSA. And she looked at me and she said, you have a light in your eyes when you talk about your students. Wow. Maybe there's something to this. You know? And this Aww. was probably two years before I you know, to kind of took the leap full time into a teaching uh, career. Um, but, you know, so I think people, you know, other people saw it maybe even before I saw it, that maybe this was where, you know, my, my career was going to go. And, um, but I had all these great little opportunities along the way that kind of, you know, led me down this path and, and led me to feel like maybe now is the time to do this. I, I love when that happens. And I have to give a shout out. Those students were so fortunate because I, to this day, many years later, one of my best experiences was having the head of our university relations department teach a couple of PR writing courses. You know, so yeah. I'm, it was invaluable. I don't know how she felt about it, but we liked having her. <laughs> You know, particularly in our school, because we, you know, we are very much a professional school. We have majors in public relations, advertising, journalism, visual communications. We have a blended mass communications major that draws from all those disciplines. And we have a, a balance of um, you know, tenure track, you know, more academic focused mm -hmm. professional research, research focused mm -hmm. um, educators. And we have um, a, a very high number of people who have come from their profession, whether they came from PR or advertising or journalism yeah. or now in the classroom. So we have just such a beautiful blend of, of theory and practice um, in, in, the, in the same classroom in, in most cases. Um, but to have people with that professional experience in a professional school, I think is really critical. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, you know, were able to bring, and, and I love being able to bring those real world experiences into the classroom to bring yeah. colleagues and friends, um, you know, from, from all over the country. It's a great thing about, you know, being able to, uh, we were, we were doing, we were, we were zooming and using other platforms even before the pandemic uh, to bring speakers in um, from around the country and, and just be able to just kind of share war stories. You know, students are really interested right. in knowing, okay, you're teaching me this in the classroom, but what is this really like in real life? <laughs> yeah. What was this like yeah. when you were running your agency? Yeah. What was this like when you were working in the nonprofit sector? And to be able to share yeah. those experiences and make it, you know, make it more tangible and make it more real for them is really rewarding. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it, you said a couple of things that I think are so important. One is mentorship and how important that is to all of our careers at every stage. And great mentors can really help you to clearly define your pathway. Um, and I think, you know, I one of my early mentors just unlocked a whole new perspective on work for me and gave me the confidence to take giant leaps in my career. Um, so she she helped me to to see past fear and to understand it didn't have to be step one, step one A, step one B, but that I could go from step one to four if the opportunity presented itself. Mm -hmm. And you just surround yourself with people that can help you to, you know, with your areas of weakness that could continue to teach you and grow you. And it was just life changing for me. So mm -hmm. 
that you get to do that because I, you know, I also have a really dear friend who was a, a, a professor of public relations and she has these lifelong relationships with students who are now parents and, and it's, that's beautiful. They have that relationship and they have someone, an expert that you can trust. So I, I love that you're doing that and, and hope that everyone out there understands that we all have the ability to give back in that way. Whether, even if it's just to a single, you know, young professional or student or using those opportunities to speak, to join those classes as guests and to share your knowledge, it's so important for them to hear from us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm actually facilitating a webinar later this week on mentoring um, for the PRSA College of Fellows. And so we've been kind of steeped in this conversation for um, for several weeks trying to plan that event. And, you know, just we've been reflecting on you know the, the fact that you don't just have to have one mentor, that you can have mm-hmm. different mentors, you know, across your career. Some people think about that as the personal board of directors, you know, that maybe you bring in mentors who can um, provide advice and kind of round out your experience in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, one mentor may be specifically about what is your next career uh, move. You know, another mentor may be more about helping you get settled into the uh, the culture of an organization and kind of mm-hmm. helping you yeah. navigate, you know, the ins and outs of that organization. Someone else who may be, um, you know, providing good advice on how you get involved in your community and, and serve in that different capacity. So, yeah, I always have to give a shout out to my longtime mentor, George Johnson, um, who took me under his wings when I was, you know, a college student interning in the corporate communications department where he worked. Um, and I like to say, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever made a, a career move without consulting with him. And so even if it's something I'd already made the decision I was going to move. Uh, yeah. But even he, he started as an adjunct, you know, as he went back to school, got a master's degree later on in life so that he could be an adjunct and work with students. He saw that for himself wow. as sort of the next, you know, his next chapter as he was moving towards retirement. And so he really was a big part of that inspiration as well, because he was the one who yeah. said, hey, you should think about getting a master's degree. I don't know if you ever want to teach, but you'd have it. And certainly it would advance your career in the meantime. Um, so I, I got my master's over 20 years ago and I've only been teaching for you know part of that time. So that was not even um, in my sights when I went back to graduate school that I might teach one day. Um, but certainly it was an advantage because in most places you do have to have a master's degree to teach. Mm-hmm. And so that's um, you know one thing I'd really encourage people to think about if they think you know, ever at any point down the road, they might want to do that uh, to be sure to putting the plan, put the, the steps in place if they need to get the advanced degree. I love it. Yeah, I love it too. And it's so neat to hear your story and how you say that these seeds were planted at different times and, and how true that is for many of us. And and I love that, that you recognize that and that you can share that with us. And, you know, one of the things we were thinking of as we were preparing for our talk with you was, you know, how how did your work in your career prepare you for the nuts and bolts work in the classroom? I think specifically being an independent practitioner, (laughs) uh, speaking here to our audience of solos, um, really helped prepare me because I already had a little bit of that sense of uh, that that, that kind of entrepreneurial spirit and that sense of independence and flexibility, because I think that there is there is kind of an interesting um, dynamic in academia that, you know, there is this concept of academic freedom that, you know, you... Mm -hmm. you know, for the most part, we are given the freedom and flexibility to teach um, the way that we want to teach and what we want to teach. And so, you know, when you're preparing a course, um, certainly there may be some guidelines and standards within your department for how, for different, you know, for the, the overall learning concepts and, and right. what we what we want uh, the outcomes of that course to be. But you can bring, 
you know, everybody brings their own experience and their own approach to that course. And yeah. so being able to go back and draw upon my own, my own experiences and bring those into the classroom and kind of give just a little different context than, than someone who has a different, you know, type of experience. Um, and because I teach all public relations courses, you know, in, in my case, it's just a matter of, you know, bringing, bringing that knowledge. Um, yeah. You know, certainly I think if someone were, were to make the transition into the classroom and, um, you know, kind of bringing experience, but maybe not necessarily directly in the industry in which they've been working, then, you know, that's a different level of preparation as well. Um, so I, I do think that that really, um, you know, having not only having been in public relations for over 20 years before I started teaching, but specifically having been, in, been an independent business owner and learning how to, you know, how to navigate some of that management management time was really helpful. Because you're working with our next generation of public relations leaders, when you look at them and, you know, the ideas that they're bringing to the classroom and the things, their perspective on what's happening now, what do you see for the future of our profession? What are some of the trends that you think that we can expect? And what what's this new group of PR people? What are they going to bring to the table? Well, I think um, particularly, again, speaking to to our audience of, of solos is that this generation of students is very entrepreneurial. <laughs> um, I hear from students all the time who they want to own their own business one day. And in fact, a lot of my students already own a business of some sort, yeah. Um, yeah. whether whether they're doing freelance work within public relations and communications or they have a photography business or web design. Yeah. Um, you know, I have students who have, um, you know, baking, you know, they, they bake or they do different you know, just they they already have that that sense of I want to, um, uh, you know, own and manage my own, my own future. I want to you know want to have some control um, in that aspect, and so they are they're seeking that that sense of independence and flexibility, even if it's within a you know, traditional work environment. They are looking for more flexibility than I think what we all may have expected coming into uh, coming into our careers. Um, I think they're also very keen on. Um, making a difference in the world. You know, they want to, they're seeking out opportunities uh, to do well and to do good, if you will. Um, They want to work for companies that are authentic and transparent and that have a sense of social responsibility. Um, And so I think that as, you know, companies start looking at recruiting, um, you know, and I'm just really kind of mainly talking about that traditional 18 to 22 year old Gen Z students, certainly recognizing their students all across the spectrum. But, um, but this, this Gen Gen Z, um, you know, cohort of students, um, we know that they're digitally savvy and they're digital natives and they've grown up in that environment, but they also are kind of, they're seeing a changing world and a changing Mm. society and they're very active in the, in that change. And so I think that they, they don't see as much boundary between, you know, work life and kind of personal life in terms of that blending. Now, some of them are like, well, I'm going to, there, there's a line that there's work and then there's home. But I do think in terms of their broader interests, they kind of, you see some blending of, of wanting to, you know, really give back to their organizations, make a difference, um, feel like they're really contributing. Um, and so I think that that's something that companies really need to be mindful of as they're looking at recruiting this generation mm-hmm. of students. Now, looking at the public relations industry, you know, specifically, 
specifically, then you can also say, well, if they're interested in corporate social responsibility, then what is our company doing in that regard? And are we are we creating positions for people to have those types of opportunities? Um, you know, certainly a lot of students assume they're they're going to be in charge of social media, but we also need to make sure that we're teaching them about a lot of the other core skills and fundamentals of public relations. I tell my students all the time, the most important thing you need to do is know how to write, know how to write and know how to write. <laughs> and uh, I do yeah. teach some writing courses. And so we, we write across different platforms and different styles of writing. And um, so, you know, really, really, um, you know, emphasize the importance of, of that skill. Um, I'm also teaching uh, this past fall. And then again, next, this coming fall, um, I'll be teaching media relations. And that's you know, that's a skill that not a lot of our students have had a lot of experience because a lot of the internships that they've had so far, they've been doing more social media and those types of things. And so um, we do have a lot of students that are coming out of our program who really don't have a lot of experience working with the media. And that may or may not be something they're going to have to do professionally. So trying to get even back to some of those fundamentals um, that we, we would might take for granted, um, but recognize that we want to make sure to round out a full curriculum that's going to prepare them for a variety of of different types of public relations positions. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that um, while our profession often gets um, unfairly labeled as media relations only, people think that's all that public relations people do. And, and the breadth and depth of, of really the, the expertise and the talents and the specialization that we bring to clients is so much broader than that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, while, you know, clients and the general public, they associate media relations as public relations. They think it's anonymous. I find that there are not that wide of a pool as people believe who actually know how to do media relations. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of people that um, are more comfortable with social media or with the content side of it, or sometimes even with the strategy side or internal comms, but media relations, that very specific skill set is almost a dying art, you know, and I find that people don't know how to write pitches. They don't know how to build those relationships. Um, they don't understand um, how to translate. And and some of the storytelling is lost because at the end of the day, you want to, you got to tell a good story. It has to draw people in. And, and that to me feels like something that you can teach it, but you also need to practice it. And there's, there's, Few people, and I, you know, work with a lot of contractors too, and even the people who say they do media relations. I'm like, really? Do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not quite how that works. Um, so it's interesting for you to say that a lot of students are not getting that experience. So do you think that that will, without that experience and with the concentration so heavily focused on social media as a communication channel? Do you think that we'll see a shift in the future away from media relations in our profession? That's, man, that's a great question. You know, I do have a thought I use. I think that um, it originally came from Jenny Dietrich where it says, you know, what people think we do. And it's like, this, you know, it's a full pie chart of media relations, what we actually do. And it's, you know, a dozen different special you know, industry specializations. Um, I, was, I give Jenny lots of shout outs in my classes. We do the business. But I think that, it, you know, for me, I just want my students to be really well-rounded and 
and marketable. You know, our, our, our yeah. job is ultimately to help them get a job. So, you know, I really want, I want them to be able to walk into an interview and be able to, you know, to speak well to all different aspects of the public relations profession and not just to understand tactics, but to under, understand strategy. You know, in the, in the campaigns class, they jump very quickly to tactics. I'm like, no, wait a minute. We got to do our research and we got to write a strategic plan before we ever get into implementing, you know, whatever idea you have. And so I think that, you know, as the other interesting thing that I find is that I always ask students early on in the semester, where do you get your news from? And that question alone is really insightful because a lot of them do go to the platform. They say, oh, I get my news from Twitter. I said, well, Twitter aggregates content. <laughs> you know, what yeah. exactly is the source? And we dig and we dig and we dig to try to get to what is the actual news source. Um, and so I think helping them broaden their understanding of of the of the news business in general, um, you know, talking about the difference between, you know, local news and national news uh, between your your local affiliates, um, you know, we, nightly broadcast versus a cable network. I mean, it, and some of these things sound may sound so basic, but a lot of a lot of our students just they kind of lump media all together. And so they have they have different perceptions of what media means, because to them, news comes in many, many, many different forms. Formats. Um, and so trying to kind of get, get them to break through, but where are you getting your news from and how is that sourced and what is the bias of that? Um, and, you know, who, who own, you know, what is the ownership model of that media outlet? I mean, really kind of digging, drilling down to that level um, before we even get into the more tactical, uh, tactical approach to media relations. So really kind of, I, I like to think it helps them, you know, put some, some context and perspective into what news means. And of course, yeah. we're in a school of journalism. So I feel, you know, a, a real responsibility to our, my colleagues on the journalism side of the house to make sure that we're teaching them uh, mm -hmm. those five fundamentals as well. So I think that it really, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I can certainly look over my career and I, and I'll, I'll tell students all the time. It's like, I started out by standing in front of a fax machine and faxing press releases. And then we got email because Michelle, yes. I'm, older, I'm older than I look. And I'm, <laughs> right, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. We, I, I, I might have, I might have even mailed some press right, releases right. back right. in the day. How, how did we ever get things shared without, you know? Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I've seen this little evolution of faxing and then emailing, and then well, well, now we have social media, and we can it breaks down kind of yeah. the gatekeeper, and we can we can yeah. communicate yeah. directly with with reporters, yeah. and we can yeah. build these relationships. And so yeah. we spend a lot of time talking about that relationship as well, whether yeah. or not you're the person responsible for media relations, and you're the spokesperson in your organization or not. Let's say you're running social media and, you know, a reporter is going to be following that social media account and they may be reaching out to you or they may right. be finding finding story ideas. And so um, so I really think that that helping them build that connection that, you know, as the community, as a voice and a communicator for their organization, they have a responsibility to lots of different types of audiences and the media is going to be one of those audiences. So they need to understand, you know, at least have a good fundamental understanding of how that process works, whether or not they are directly responsible for it. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely an ecosystem that has evolved over time for sure. Definitely. So <laughs> we can't let you go without asking a big uh -huh. question. You know, we are, you know, coming out of, of this pandemic year 
and a half. <laughs> and um, a lot of your students either spent the past year doing their last year of high school using technology or first year of college using technology. And, you know, just as, as we're th- rethinking our, our processes as we go back to the physical workspace, how do you think that this technology-driven year for students has either prepared them or given them a disadvantage as they're t- looking to transition to the workforce one day? Has it been helpful? Yeah, Have, you know, yeah. yeah. I think, so I, I teach primarily seniors. So when I teach our introductory courses, I teach, I have lots of freshmen and sophomores in those classes. Um, so I guess if I start with my seniors then, um, so seniors who just graduated, they had a portion of junior year and all of senior year, either fully or partly online. Our university mm-hmm. was open. And so we did have some classes in person. We had some online, um, but at least in our, in our school, um, I would say we had a vast majority of our courses online. And, and, I, and I was asked, I would ask students, you know, what is the mix of uh, face-to-face and online? And they were almost completely online. Mm-hmm. Um, a mix of synchronous, asynchronous, and you know, just it's been a mix of everything. So for yeah. seniors, what I tell them is I think that, you know, like in the campaigns class, we continued, we did presentations online. Um, you know, we had our guest speakers, you know, joining us online uh, for live, live engagement with them. And I said, this translates directly into the workforce because in the very next room over for me is my husband working in our kitchen for the last year and a half. And, you know, every meeting that he's done has been, you know, this, this webinar and he's working with people all over the state and working with their broad teams and healthcare communications. So this is going to be something that depending on where you move in the next few months, you could still be in a, in a remote remote work situation. Um, I think a lot of workplaces are probably going to continue some form of a hybrid uh, hybrid environment. I think companies are, are seeing that, hey, people actually do work when we let them work from home. You know? yeah. And yeah. so I, I think that that has prepared them well to make that transition. The other thing is they've been doing, I mean, most of their internship interviews and job interviews have been online. Um, and so, you know, they've, they've had an opportunity to prepare a little bit, you know, from that perspective. But I think if you look at kind of our younger students, our newer, you know, in our incoming students with freshmen and sophomores, um, you know, incoming freshmen this fall, have had, you know, this, this end of high school experience. That's not, not like what, you know, what they may have had before. Um, But, but hopefully as we, because we do see, um, you know, a growth, a movement towards online education. We are seeing, you know, some some movement even in our university to expand online education, um, not pandemic related. Um, there, you know, students coming out of high school who've had more online learning than they may have had before are going to be a little more prepared for that. They may have some expectations. Some students love it. Um, some students prefer it. I have a lot of students who work full time to put themselves through school. And so online classes are great for them, gives them a lot of flexibility. Um, what I'm kind of most will be most interested to see is the experience of this year's college sophomores. So students who came into college as freshmen in this very unusual year that maybe didn't have the full college experience. Um, They spent the whole year online. They didn't have all the social um, opportunities that they may have had. They didn't get as much, maybe they didn't get as much opportunity to uh, do volunteer work and community service and really get engaged in the life of their universities. So I think that's going to be, that's going to be a really interesting um, cohort to 
watch is how they're making this this transition into really having a college experience um, that's, that's the full and robust experience and getting back into the classroom and getting back into this environment where they're expected to engage and show up, and, you know, and, 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 you know, really be a part of that educational process. So I think that transition is going to be one for me, I think it's going to be most, most interesting to watch that. That I think it'll be interesting for the workforce too, because people are battling with that. And, and I do think that in person definitely has a place, even in a modern work landscape. I don't know that it needs to be five days a week. Um, but, but it definitely has a place. And when you talk about college, I can't, you know, I think back to my own experience and part of the fun was, you know, hanging at the quad and, you know, going to parties and football games and being together and experiencing all that and, you know, walking to classes together and chatting in between and all of those social things that made it, you know, the college experience that made you feel a part of it. And so I, you can't replicate that online. Unfortunately, you really can't. You can get the learning part and that's efficient. But I think that what you just said, you know, highlights that for all of us human beings, efficiency can't be the only goal. Um, you do want socialization. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw that particularly because I, I do so much group work, <laughs> team project work in my classes that trying to work with a team in a totally virtual environment is just a very different dynamic than being able to sit face to face. And what I told my students was, you know, this class is online and I'm, you know, we, we use lots of breakout rooms and, and different things and I would meet separately with different teams. But I said, if you're comfortable and your team wants to find some time that you can safely meet in person, since our university is open and different spots on campus were open available to them, I leave that to your discretion. And and some of the teams did take advantage of that and others didn't. Um, But I I do think that that was another another piece of the puzzle, um, you know, particularly for making that transition into the workplace where how do you work? Um, you know, with a team when you're not when you're not all sitting in a room together, and then right. how much can you also accomplish when you know when you are remote? You know, again, going back to my my husband's dean, you know, he works with a team that's of people that's statewide, and they said, "Gosh, it's you know, there's there is some efficiency in that process. Mm-hmm. There are some things that we can take care of. That you know, this does not have to be a, a full face to face meeting. We can have a quick conversation. We can even if we're going to hop on you know a video conferencing platform for a few minutes. There are other things." That, that we recognize are going to be better suited to some face-to-face interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think finding that that blend, whether it's in the workplace or in the classroom, is going to be, um, you know, the next big challenge for all of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we are going to find out for sure <laughs> in, the coming, <laughs> in the coming days, weeks, and months. But for now, we are so glad that you joined us, Kelly. We're so grateful for your time today and, and all of this great wisdom that you know, I, I, I was nodding throughout. I'm sure you could see that. And, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. My pleasure. <laughs> and for our listeners, we thank you for joining us. And if you find this of value, please do subscribe and share. And until next time, thanks for listening to That Solo Life. <laughs>